Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When a woman goes to the hospital for a routine heart exam, she has no idea she's about to have an encounter that will prove life after death. And then we meet a young family living up in the state of Washington. Recently, a friend of theirs said, you know what, I'm having some trouble on the land that I'm currently living at. I was wondering if you guys could be my neighbors. I'd feel a little more comfortable if that was the case. But what no one knew at the time is this land was cursed by an evil presence that continues to haunt the forest to this day. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead rabbit radio i'm your host jason garvener i'm having a great day i hope you guys are having a great day too happy 2024 new year's day i know these episodes come out on weird days you're like what you're looking at your watch (laughs) it's an episode late not according to me not according to me it's just on time but someone who's always on time whether it's the future or the past running into dead rabbit radio command right now everyone get on your feet and give it up for our newest patreon supporter Dave Baxter. Woohoo! Yeah, we! Ha <laughs> ha Yeah, he's all running on in. Running on in, all sweaty. He's getting here just on time. Dave, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the show financially through the merch store or the Patreon, that's totally fine. It really, really is. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so much. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know. Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show. We got a lot of stuff to cover, so let's go ahead and get this bad boy started. Dave, I'm going to toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. Everyone climb on board this old hunk of junk. Dave, take us out of Dead Rabbit Radio Command and drive us all the way out to the hospital. I'm feeling better. If you've listened to the last two episodes... Sounded pretty bad. You're like, Jason, no, you still feel bad. I'm guessing you're high on cough medicine. So you think you're doing better? Ah, maybe. But I feel like I'm doing better. I slept for about 11 hours. Last night, always the sign, always the sign of health when you can't stay awake. Well, I'm feeling better. And I am on a lot of cough medicine, but that's not the focus of this story. It will explain any sort of odd rambling I go on. But we're going to go check out this hospital. And we're about to meet this nurse. Let's go ahead and call her Vicky. She didn't give her real name. We're about to meet this nurse named Vicky. And she's working in the cardiac unit of this hospital. Exciting, to say the least. Constantly people are like, ah, dying and stuff like that. You, just, you look at your watch, you're like, I still got five minutes left on my break, ma'am. Convulse all you want. You'd have people constantly like dying, their hearts are exploding. So that's, I mean, that might be a little stressful. How was work today? Well, you know, three or four people died. Vicky's a nurse at this cardiac unit in this hospital. She said we had two wings in this cardiac unit. 
One of them was for people who were not well at all. People who are recovering from massive heart attacks. We're keeping them for observation so they don't have another one. They may not make it. They may not make it by the end of the week. We're trying our best. We might be able to reverse the damage to this heart and get them on their way. She goes, the other part of the unit was very, very routine overnight monitoring for people who had to have angiograms, which is a test. It's like an imaging test to show how the blood moves through the heart. So if your doctor's like, well, you know, there might be something going on with your heart or you have had some issues that I'm a little worried about. Let's get an angiogram done. So you'll go there and generally you'll stay the night. Again, just because you're messing with people's hearts, just to make sure that everything is okay and they can probably monitor it and throughout the night rather than just getting a quick snapshot. But she goes, we have those two wings, one for people who, are, who may not make it, very, very unwell, sick people, and the other one's for people who are just having a routine thing. They're in, they're out constantly. And Vicky said she had a patient of hers, let's call her Denise, who was in her late 60s, but very fit, very active woman. So while she was in the age range for having some of these heart problems, and obviously her doctor suggested she get an angiogram, something was going on. Not the typical profile for someone who's going to have serious heart problems, heart disease, heart attack, anything like that. And Denise is in the angiogram ward. She's having a bit of mild chest pain. Doctor's like, let's get it checked out. It's smart to do. Goes into the angiogram ward. She's there to get her angiogram. And she gets bumped because there's an emergency. They need the machine for something else. So they go, well, we're going to have you stay another night. Okay. Well, that morning, her first morning waking up in the angiogram unit, when Vicky goes in to see Denise, Denise is very, very upset. Vicky's like, is everything okay? What's going on, ma'am? And Denise goes, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And Vicky's like, whoa, no, 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 you're not going to die. I know this can be scary, like chest pain and stuff like that, but angiograms are very routine. Millions of people get them a year. It's very, very normal procedure. And Denise goes, I know that, but last night I saw my husband standing at the foot of my bed. My husband's been dead for 10 years. And he was just standing there looking at me. I don't want to die. I am not ready to die. This is a very standard type of ghost appearance. We covered them a couple times on this show where people who are at the end of life see their loved ones standing around their bed. It's I, I think it's one of the reasons why people believe in life after death in the first place. I think you could probably trace these accounts going all the way back tens of thousands of years. I think it is probably the first clue of life after death is 50,000 years ago in ancient Samaria. Some guy saying, oh, I see old Bartleby standing there. And there's Zeus, <laughs> Zeus himself throwing lightning bolts at me. Oh, it's so fun. 
And the people around her would be like, what in the world's going on? I think it's stories like that that originally told humans, yes, life exists after death. Because you would have someone who was about to die seeing their relatives. And it's pretty universal. But Denise is not about to die. And Vicky knows that. And Denise kind of knows that. You know, no one likes being in the hospital. She knows it's a routine procedure. There's really nothing that can go wrong. If she was about to have a massive heart attack, she's in the best place for it. She's in the cardiac unit already. So... She's supposed to get her angiogram, but she's bumped back again. So she has to stay another night. And then she's bumped back again. Busy day in the cardiac unit. She has to stay there a total of three nights. On the third morning... When Vicky goes in on her rounds to see Denise, Denise is sobbing. She goes, he was here again last night. He was here again. I don't want to die. I'm not ready to die. Why is my husband coming here? Why is he here? Why am I seeing him? Could be a spirit to comfort her while she's in this facility. But it is putting her on edge because Denise knows the stories. Vicky knows the stories. They're pretty universal. People before they die see these spirits. But remember, she started seeing this image of her husband on the first night she spent there. Now it's night three. I'm not for sure, reading the narrative that was posted online, I'm not for sure if she saw him specifically on the second morning. But I know for sure it was the first and the third morning. Anyways... Vicky doesn't know how to explain it. She thinks maybe the husband's just here to kind of comfort her, but it's really freaking Denise out because she thinks it's an image that she's going to die soon. That morning when she's sobbing, I don't want to die. I saw him again. Why does he keep coming there? They do. They are able to get the angiogram scheduled for her. They take her in. It's a completely routine procedure. They do the cardiogram. They bring her back to her room. Denise has a massive heart attack. She's dead within hours. And Vicky said, she goes, with angiograms, there is a super, 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 super rare complication that can happen. And it happened with Denise. And killed her. It's interesting, Vicky... Vicky said that with an angiogram, there is a very, very, very rare complication that can happen. There are, again, millions of people get these procedures. <laughs> you're sitting in the waiting room right now. You're like, oh, angiograms, they're pretty routine. Something, though, that will cheer me up is a little bit of Dead Rabbit Radio. Angiograms are super routine. Millions of people get them a year. But there's a very rare complication that can kill you. And Vicky, she posted this online underneath the name Angie Beanie. She said she had a couple different like things going on in her head after this happened. She goes, on the one hand, she, it, Vicky says, I feel comfort because it does show that there is an afterlife. Um, on the other hand, on a more personal level, though, Vicky goes, 
I feel terrible because I kept reassuring her that she was going to be okay. And I was wrong. Like, it was me who was like, everything's going to be fine. Don't worry. Don't worry about the specter of your dead husband looming over your bed in the middle of the night. I'm a medical professional. Don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. And 99% of the time, she would have been right. What's interesting is Vicky ended her post by asking the question, and I think this is a question we all have, is was her husband waiting for her? Was this a typical person dying in their bed and you're seeing the loved ones that left the world before you, they're seeing, you're seeing them there and it's comforting knowing you'll join them in the afterlife? Was he waiting for her or was he trying to warn her? And what's even more interesting, when I was reading this story, I thought, was it even, this might, this might sound a little Ghostbusters, but this might sound like the Slimers in action, but is it possible that the delays in the angiogram were trying, was some sort of force trying to delay her death as well? Maybe to the point where they go, you know what, why don't we, we know you're having mild chest pain, but it is mild. Why don't we reschedule the angiogram for a couple months from now? Or a week from now or whatever. Like, if they bumped her three times, they may have said, you know, we'll do it at another point in time. And maybe in that situation later on, there wouldn't have been this particular complication. It's impossible that, what I'm saying is, it's impossible that the husband's ghost was, he's giving other people heart attacks. He's like, my wife must live, so you will die. And making the angiogram unit have to go treat somebody else. And it prolonged his wife's life. Because she was supposed to have this procedure on the first day. Would she have had the complication then? We don't know, but she definitely had it on the third day. It's possible even if they pushed it out a month that she was just prone to this complication. We don't know. I think, <laughs> I think there's actually laws preventing us from knowing that. HIPAA laws. But an interesting story. Was he trying to warn her? Was he trying to give her peace? He knew she was going to die. He knew she was going to die in the next couple days. And he wanted to console her. But it wasn't working, right? That actually terrified her more. Because she saw it as an omen of her impending doom. And Vicky just thought it was... She didn't completely dismiss it as like, I want to believe in ghosts, quit being an idiot. Uh, it's a routine procedure, but she didn't play into the whole, um, yeah, you're right, you might be seeing this vision of your death. Vicky was trying to say, no, everything's going to be okay. Denise, by seeing her husband, thought everything was over, that her death was imminent. And Denise was right. And it sucks that in those final mornings, right, she was very terrified. Her husband may have been coming to console her, but she knew what was up. And it just made her worry even more. And again, that worry was justified. She did die after the angiogram. <laughs> Jason, what is up? Why are your story so depressing? Well... Let's go ahead and take a look at this next story, which listen, doesn't involve monkeys being tortured. So don't worry about that. Dave Baxter, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the carpenter copter. We're going to say goodbye to this cardiac unit. The helicopter lands on the roof. Everyone's like, ah, having a heart attack from the vibration, even the doctors. Hurry up before they catch us for mass murder. Everyone climb on board the carpenter copter. Dave, we're leaving behind this cardiac unit. Fly us all the way out to 
Washington. Flying around, flying around. Flying around all night long in the world-famous carpenter copter. It's been a rough night, so let me, let me give you guys a little bit of update. That earlier segment I had all recorded. And then... Listen, man, I gotta be honest, I'm sick. I'm, I've been denying it this whole time. You're like, Jason, we know you've been sick. Now you're finally admitting it. I recorded probably about 20 minutes of the Cursed Wood story, maybe a little bit less, realized that I had no idea what was going on in the story or in real life. Took a couple hours long break, recorded a 50 minute long segment about Jeffrey Epstein, the Illuminati, all sorts of crazy conspiracy stuff. While I had too much cough syrup. Now, here's the thing. I'll probably release that at some point because I think it's an interesting thing. I just think it's not interesting enough to be part of Ted Rapper Radio. Not like this is either. This is just me explaining what's going to happen next. I recorded 50 minutes of stuff on Illuminati and conspiracy theory and Jeffrey Epstein, the flight logs getting released, his business associates getting released on January 2nd, all this stuff. I find it infinitely entertaining and evocative and interesting, all this stuff. But, I, I, you know, I think, I don't know if it translated really well again. And here's the thing, you're like, well, Jason, I love the Illuminati. That sounds fantastic. You have to remember, too, too much cough syrup. I... At this certain point, I recorded 50 minutes of that, and then I go, I don't know if I'm going to release it. Not like I unveiled any sort of deep secrets. It's not like I go, and yes, this is my plot. I'm the nobody. This is my plot to destroy the Illuminati. You know, I try to put out quality content for you guys. The reason why I'm explaining all this stuff is that we are pulling an audible. We're not going to do the Cursewood story today either. It's actually the next day. I ended up uh going to bed at some point i watched this terrible movie it was awful and you, it could have been right it could have been that i was high on cough medicine because shortly after i watched that movie i was like oh my that movie was terrible i went to bed i laid down and i began to have what they call closed-eyed visuals you're like, aren't those dreams no it's where when you close your eyes you see fractals you see all of these Colorful images, and I obviously can't fall asleep. Can't fall asleep when this mosaic's rolling. And I go, okay, I've officially taken too much cough syrup. Like this is just over-the-counter stuff. So I was completely awake all night long, fuming about that dumb movie I watched. Crazy, crazy day. So we are now back here the next morning. We're not going to talk about the cursed woods because I don't think I have the wherewithal to tell that story. I haven't taken any more cop medicine. <laughs> just to be, just to be very clear, I learned my lesson. I and this is why I tell people I don't do hallucinogens. A lot of people think like I do a lot of drugs because I talk about a bunch of weird stuff. I was like, nah, I'm good. I can't even handle too much cough syrup. And again, it wasn't too much. It wasn't like I was guzzling it. 
It wasn't like I was a 14-year-old who couldn't get into Dad's liquor cabinet one weekend, so decided to start robo-tripping. It wasn't that much, but it was enough to, it was enough to make me hallucinate when my eyes were closed. Let's go ahead and take a look at some stories that I think I can tell concisely at 8.30 in the morning after spending all night long robo-dripping. Un- inadvertently, again, I did not plan on doing that. Dave, sorry if you wanted to fly out to the Haunted Forest. We are going to make... This was something I talked about on the Illuminati 50-minute rant. I want to take a piece of that out of this. Uh, Dave, go ahead and, and turn this carpenter copter around. We're not headed to Washington. Fly us down to Los Angeles. I think... Listen, I'm not a big mainstream celebrity guy sure i do listen to a lot of olivia rodrigo you're like jason you're the most normie paranormal person out there yeah well let me put it this way like i've never been super plugged into the kardashians like that type of reality show real housewives vanderplump rules the only reason i know any of these shows exist is because they pop up on celebrity gossip i mean obviously kardashians is kind of a big cultural thing but Vanderplump Rules or the Real Housewives of wherever. I've never watched an episode of any of those. I I don't know anything about them, but as far as that goes, yeah, I'm a big Olivia Rodrigo fan. That's true. But Black China, I've only heard of her. If you're like, what? Who's that? What is that? A place? No. Black China, she's a model slash stripper slash OnlyFans girl who was apparently dating Rob Kardashian for a while, and the brother of Kim, Kim Kardashian. And I didn't know who this person existed. I didn't know anything about Black China. I'd see her pop up in the gossip trades. Ooh, I I don't know if she ever had kids with Rob Kardashian. I don't really know what she's done. I just know that she's famous. And every so often, people will pop on and off your radar. So... Black China recently popped up in a lot of conspiracy theory news. So now she's coming back into this Venn diagram of stuff that I do follow every day. Apparently, she has converted to Christianity. She recently was baptized. I think all this stuff happened earlier this year. She's come out. This happened in March 2023. She popped back up on my radar after that. She got baptized. She accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. Okay, that's cool. Like I'm down with that. But what makes this newsworthy as far as the conspiracy theory sphere is what is being said is that she has officially turned her back on the Illuminati. By doing this... She has actually betrayed the dark forces that made her so famous in the first place. And this is really where we get into probably one of the most popular conspiracy theories is the Illuminati runs the world and more specifically, the Illuminati runs the media. If you want to be famous, you have to sell your soul to be famous. That's just part and parcel of it. Very, very popular conspiracy theory. So for Black China to become Christian was kind of seen as a slap in the face to her Illuminati masters, but it wasn't just that. 
She also had what was called a make under. So she's had, you know, breast work done. She's had face work done. She's had these fillers put in. She went in and she had a breast reduction done. She had the fillers removed. And she goes, I don't feel like any of like this image that I am is edifying to my new lifestyle as a Christian. I don't think I need to be this sex symbol. She also changed her name from Black China to her real name, the name that she was given, Angela White. She also had, you know, she because she's tatted up. She's a young, she's a young kid. A lot of them are got a lot of tats nowadays. She um got one of her tats removed. She might be getting them all removed, but I know she got one of them removed, and it was a tattoo of Baphomet. So the goat-headed satanic image that you'll often see associated with Satanism and specifically the Illuminati, because you have those two groups. You know, Illuminati, you can say it was a thought group that started in the 1700s. It ushered in the American Revolution, the French Revolution. It was this idea of enlightenment, the illuminated ones. That's the official story. And officially they died out, you know, in 100, 200 years. I don't think anyone really believes that they completely died out. The question is, the Illuminati today, are they also working hand-in-hand with Lucifer? Are they satanic overlords trying to corrupt the world and set the stage for the rise of the Antichrist? Is that what their main goal is? Or is the Illuminati just a bunch of people who are trying to obtain as much power and money as possible, and they're not satanic? My theory has always been that there's multiple groups trying to control the world at any given point. I think more than one of them are called the Illuminati. I don't think there's a single group of people who control everything because nothing really makes sense. I think that's a comforting thought because then nothing is chaos and everything is planned. Even if it's planned against you, even if you can look at the world and go, ah, this what's the world coming to? It's like evil has taken over. There's still a comforting thought to think that it's not chaos, that you can't walk out of your house and a bomb go off and just scar one third of your body and your arms flying across the street and you're laying there on the ground. And it turns out that that was just a gas leak that exploded and it blew up a house next to you. And now the rest of your life, you're going to have this struggle that, you know, you'll overcome. A lot of people don't have an arm. A lot of people are horribly burned one third of their body. You'll get through it. But it's more comforting to think that 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 wasn't an accident, that that was actually planned. You knew too much. The Illuminati was coming after you, but they failed. Stuff like 9-11, right? To think that some people that you'd never heard of flew a couple planes into a couple towers, took them down, shot a missile at the Pentagon. I don't believe that a plane hit the Pentagon, but or a bomb went off inside of it, but... My point is, is like it's far more comforting to think that everything is planned out, even if the plan is working against you, than to think that chaos reigns. Because chaos is truly terrifying. But anyways, I think there are multiple groups fighting for control. I don't think there's one single group. That makes more sense. Because we do see multiple things happening that are against each other. And, and the idea is like, oh, well, it's one group. They're playing both sides. They see who win. If it's just one group, then they know who wins them. But anyways, I know I'll get pushbacks in the comments, and I'm welcome that. I'm totally fine with that. Black China, she's getting this Baphomet tattoo removed. And she's saying that... Well, what's interesting is, so she's not coming out and saying, I'm leaving the Illuminati. She's not addressing that at all. 
she goes, she posted this video. She goes, watch, I'm being baptized. And then when I come out of the water, you can hear the spirits leaving my body. Not her, not her spirit. She's like, ah, I'm just, a, I'm just a clone. She goes, when you, when I'm coming up from the baptism, you can hear the spirits leaving my body. Well, yeah, she slowed it down. So it's like going, ah. So it's something, <laughs> some noise. I don't necessarily think it's evil spirits leaving her body. It's a noise that slowed down. It's going to sound weird, but she's not officially saying she left the Illuminati or anything like that. The person who's really pushing that narrative is her own mom. This is so interesting. Black China has a mom. <laughs> I don't think that this is her real name, but I could be wrong. Black China has a mom named Tokyo Tony. And Tokyo Tony said, my daughter is in the Illuminati. 100% she's in the Illuminati. And I'm scared to be around her anymore. I'm terrified. Because one of two things is true. One, she actually did leave the Illuminati. And she's left it in such a public way that the Illuminati is now going to kill her. And I don't want to be around my daughter when that assassination happens which is kind of i mean that's kind of jacked up tokyo i don't know you but if someone's going to kill your daughter maybe you should be there to help i mean <laughs> on the other hand it is illuminati assassins i don't know how much you can help but that's kind of jacked up she goes if my daughter actually did turn her back on the illuminati and they go to kill her i don't want to be there with her you know i i, I get it you got crazy stuff like Anne Heche's car driving out of control down the street. That's still super questionable. That whole story is so weird. And I will say, like, it's weird stuff continues to pop up. In Illuminati lore, there's that idea of um, covering one eye. They're constantly taking photos of people covering one eye. This is one of those things that I don't know if that's an actual Illuminati symbol or if I don't know if that's just kind of a cheap way to take a photo. Like, I don't know enough about photography. There's thousands of photos of famous people covering up one eye on magazine covers. They go, this is the Illuminati Oath. I don't know how true that is. Could be. I'm not going to say it's not true at all. But anyway, so Anne Heche, her car just accelerated out of control, crashed, caught on fire. She gets pulled out. There's video footage of her being like put in some sort of body bag type container and she sits up in it and the medics put her back down. I was told, and this again might be true, that the container she was put in was for people who suffer horrible burns because you're basically all of your muscle tissues exposed. It's to keep out bacteria. It wasn't actually a body bag. It's a specific type of bag that they use for burn victims. But the idea was they put her in a body bag. She hopped out. They were already set in the stage that she was going to be dead. She does die. All of this horrible news comes out about her. And not her fault, obviously, but apparently her dad had molested her when she was a kid. And that part apparently is true. I've heard that he gave her herpes as a child. Sorry, Dave. Dave's like, what? Oh, man, I thought I was doing a cursed wood story. This is getting dark. Yeah, crazy. And I don't know if that second part is true about the herpes, but I will say that if you go to Anne Heche's grave, 
you go to the graveyard to see her grave, they have this huge stone monument and they have a photo of her on the monument. And out of all the photos of Anne Heche, the photo they chose was one of her covering one of her eyes. Like putting her hand over one of her eyes. And so people have said like, is this a warning? Like, are they, is this just the best photo they had? The best photo they had was photo of Anne Heche with only half of her face showing. Or was this a warning to others? Was this a message from the Illuminati? So you do have, I mean, like, obviously you don't want to be in the car with Anne Heche. It's tragic. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't an Illuminati hit job. Who knows? We don't know. But we have stories like that. And then I can understand why Tokyo Tony's like, I don't really want to hang out with my daughter right now. I think she turned her back on the Illuminati. I'm scared. She also goes, it's possible that she's faking all of this. Tokyo Tony says it's possible that my daughter's just pulling some sort of weird PR stunt. She goes, I think she might be doing this all as a PR stunt to get her name back in the news. I will say, I mean, like, I am aware of Black China for three things. Dating Rob Kardashian. Two things. Dating Rob Kardashian and this. So it did get her name back in the media. Um, That's a very... um, what's the term called jaded way to look at it but you know people do jaded stuff i don't know enough about black china or her mother to know he's telling the truth i think when somebody finds their faith whatever it is i would hope it's genuine it's it is it is interesting because we are starting to see other celebrities do this there i think it was kat von d is her name she's recently not necessarily like become born again christian i don't think but she's been covering up her tattoos she doesn't like the way that it reflects the decisions she made earlier in life i think we are starting to see and it could just be a movement towards something bigger it could be a movement towards people going you know what i've done this whole materialism thing i'm not happy let me try something else because people are constantly looking for something to make them happy or it could be some weird big push we may start to see more celebrities come out talking about their faith, and maybe it's genuine, maybe it's not, maybe it's an Illuminati ploy, who knows, that's the crazy thing about conspiracy theories, is that you don't know, that could have been the best picture they had of Anne Heche, that could have been her favorite picture of her, it is weird, (laughs) it is weird, considering her suspicious death, and the fact that the photograph does look like Illuminati imagery, the one eye symbol covering up one eye it does it is super suspicious that there are thousands upon thousands of photos of celebrities doing this and that's the photo they took does it show illuminati membership is her tomb a warning to others who knows she definitely led a very tragic life illuminati or not and Heche did not have a easy go at things but yeah, so the Black China thing, I think that's really interesting. And and I think it's even interesting her mom's reaction to it. And her mom's saying, you know, if this backfires, like let's say she really did turn her back on the Illuminati and they want her back in, they'll require a sacrifice. And Tokyo Tony goes, I read the news. I know who the sacrifice is going to be. It's going to be me. Who knows? Crazy stuff though, crazy stuff. But I, I imagine that segment going on for 50 minutes. I think I was able to kind of do it a little more concisely, but that's not where I wanted to end. I just kind of wanted to give you an update because I think we might see more celebrities doing this. And what does that say? Is it a PR stunt? The people who believe the Illuminati control everything, they will say yes. The Illuminati is telling these 
musicians and actors to convert to Christianity for whatever reason. It's a big PR stunt. My theory that there's multiple groups, you would have people kind of being like, well, I'm leaving. Maybe they join another group. Who knows? I don't know. I don't think there's a single group that is all-powerful over everybody because that just doesn't show in our day-to-day or year-to-year or millennia-long history cycle. There's just way there's way too much chaos with opposing forces for it to simply be one group to be 13 families. We would have been taken over by now. That's always been my thing. We would we would have been taken over by now. If this has been going on since the 1700s and honestly it's probably been going on before that. Why do why what's what are they waiting for? What are they waiting for? They could have taken over the world in the 1700s or the 1800s. Or the 1900s. Why are they waiting till we have all this information on them? What are they waiting for? Anyways, that's not where I wanted to end it. I did want to cover this story as well. It's a little more <laughs> depressing than that Anne Hay story is heartbreaking. And the first story was pretty sad too. But Dave, I'm going to go ahead. We've already used the carbon copter, but I'm going to toss you the keys to the... It sounds kind of this... <laughs> This story is not something you want to drive up to in a dead rabbit dune buggy or something like that. How about we just use the rabbit walking sticks? We're just walking around. We're walking around to this story because this is... I actually came across this story last night. Came across this story last night. And uh, this is going to be a kind of a weird way to end the episode. We walk up to this house... And we see it's just a normal house, normal neighborhood. And behind the house is a camper, a little like camper van type of thing. A little like, uh, you know, like a little, like a little uh, mobile home type little deal, little camper. We're standing outside this house and we see this young girl walk out of the house Start walking over to the camper, and she walks inside, shuts the door. It's not super suspicious, it's, you know. It's, people like to hang out. Maybe it's fun. I used to camp in the backyard, even though I had a room. I just during the summer I would sleep outside all the time. When I was an adult, I loved it. This is a 13-year-old girl walking into this camper. We're going to go ahead and call her Monica. And she posted this online. It was the day after Christmas. She posted this on the paranormal board underneath the name Hazel Eyes. And she said, uh, I'm just going to read you what she wrote. It's very short. I can't figure a better way to say it. Uh, She posted this under the headline, Help Me. Help me, something is terrorizing me. Quote, it won't leave me alone. I need help. I'm a 13-year-old female. And my mom has made me sleep in a camper since my stepdad and stepsister moved in. I had to give my room to my stepsister. But it keeps coming up the stairs of the camper. Rattling it, scratching the walls, knocking, climbing on the roof. I don't know what it is or what to do. Please help me. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point.
this is one of those weird stories that, on the one hand, you go, 13-year-old girl, maybe a little skittish. She's sleeping in this camper in her backyard. There's raccoons, right? Is it a Wendigo? Is it some sort of unknown cryptid crawling out of the darkness to try to get into the camper? Is it possible even a human creep, just some pervert, testing the door of the camper because he saw this 13-year-old girl crawl in there? But all of that stuff kind of falls to the wayside because there is this double take. You're reading this on a paranormal board and you're reading it and you go, wait, wait, what? She's kicked out of the house? She has to sleep in the camper because her stepdad and stepsister moved? Wait, what? And it's this weird paranormal story. They pop up. They're pretty rare, but we see them from time to time where all of a sudden... The real-life danger, the real-life consequences overshadow the paranormal. It's probably raccoons. Could be a cryptid, could be a monster. I'm not going to discount that. But that's neither here nor there. Why is your mother kicking you out of the house? A lot of people responded to her and said, raccoons she got a lot of answers about raccoons one or two people started talking about the paranormal most people were like you're in a bad situation aren't you i think the the um again the jaded view could be that she's just looking for attention she's posting this type of stuff looking for attention when you read through her responses it's very interesting because people will say i don't think you're in a safe place right now i think you need to talk to somebody and she'll respond, no, the camper's actually pretty secure. I'm not afraid of the locks breaking. They're obviously saying in such a way, you need to contact the authorities. And it takes all of these posts of people talking to her, and she'll have these just answers where they're, it's not really addressing the issue. And finally, when people start saying, call, you got to call like CPS, you got to get a hold of the Department of healthy human services or whatever, she does reveal that they've been out before her mom makes her lie to them. She does say that, you know, she's trying to get adopted by her godparents and she's trying to get out of this situation. It doesn't sound like, you know, her stepdad, she goes, my stepdad doesn't like me. My stepsister got my room. My mom will do whatever my stepdad says, so I have to sleep in the camper. Apparently, her biological father wasn't much better. I don't know where he's at in the picture, but she posted on an Eminem forum that her dad would drive around. When he got mad at her mom, her dad would drive around and play Eminem's song, Kim, the one where he's talking about brutally murdering his wife. He would drive around and play Kim full blast in the car and yell at Monica, this is what's going to happen to mommy. This is what I'm going to do to mommy. She's like, I can't listen to that song anymore. I can't. I can't listen to that song anymore. I looked through Monica's posting history. She posted mostly on uh, Radiohead subreddit, and then this one post on the Paranormal subreddit, and then on an Eminem subreddit. A couple days ago, she posted on the Suicide Watch subreddit. The 28th, December 28th, 2023. 
She posted, I'm 13, female. I have all the notes written, my will organized nicely into the folder. I'm now sitting here coming to terms with the fact I'm about to die. I can't do this. I'm only three hours away now. I'm really scared, but ready, I guess. She posted a couple hours later on a Radiohead subreddit and nothing since. This is one of those stories that I don't really think there's much to take away from. And then you go, well, Jason, then why did you tell it? This is depressing. It's super depressing. Why did you tell it? Well, I guess I'm telling it for the same reason I did the episode yesterday about the monkey torture ring. I mean, like, it would be great to not cover those stories because they don't exist. It'd be great not to talk about that stuff. I hope, listen, my best case scenario is that Monica made all this up. That she's not really living in a camper. She didn't really write a suicide note. She's not really even a 13-year-old girl. She's a 27-year-old dude just looking for attention. That's the best case scenario. You know what the worst case scenario is. We hope that it's just something in the middle, right? That it's a girl struggling with some stuff, but she can find her way through. The reason why I'm telling the story is because I think that there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast who struggle. I mean, obviously I do. You know, we've all had our struggles, but I think some struggle more than others. Some people struggle with depression and suicidal ideation more than others. and I think we need to be aware of that as a community. I think we need to be looking for those signs in other people that they're going through stuff. You may see a 13-year-old girl walking in her backyard and climbing into a camper and not think anything of it. You're like, oh, she's probably just having a sleepover. And honestly, most of the time that's going to be true. But maybe it's not. Maybe we do butt into other people's business. Maybe we do ask the uncomfortable questions. Maybe we do confront our friends and our family members when we see them doing things that don't seem kind. You know, if you had a friend of yours who you felt was mistreating their kids, what do you do? I know, I know the answer to that question. We don't do anything. We, I mean, outside of straight up watching one of your friends punch a kid in the mouth, we tend to just let it slide. It's just a weird part of of life, isn't it? If you're hanging out with your buddy and their daughter comes in and he goes, hey, honey, I think you've had enough food today. God knows you had enough food yesterday. And she just turns and leaves the room. You realize that she's going to remember that for the rest of her life. You know that. You're surprised your friend could say something so callous. But he's just, and he turns to you and he shakes his head. He's like, dude, she eats so much. It's so hard even affording food in this house. And then he just picks up his controller and you guys keep playing the game. We don't say anything because it makes us super uncomfortable, doesn't it? Even that scenario alone. Now, what's funny is if we were out at a restaurant and a stranger did that to a kid, we'd say something. I've said stuff. 
I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? It's completely disrespectful. But we don't do it with our friends. Listen, I really hope that Monica's totally fine. This is actually one of the few times I almost never do, quote-unquote, interfere with these stories. I very, very rarely, if ever, contact people. This was the only one that I left a little message on her post. I hope it's nothing. hope it's just a little... Crazy world. It's a crazy world, and I know that's kind of a terrible way to end an episode. But I think, you know, we don't have the power to change Monica's life, to get her adopted by her godparents, to get her out of that situation. I mean, imagine living in a house, and I know some of you guys have done it, where your parents don't like you. They actively don't like you. I know I'm very blessed to have the parents that I had. But what we can do is that when we see these situations arise, we do have to have the courage to say something. Maybe it's a phone call on a neighbor, which I've done that. Call me a snitch all you want, but I've done that. Maybe it's a phone call on our neighbor. Maybe maybe it's even having a conversation with a close friend of ours being like, dude, you need to stop talking to your kid like that. It could end a friendship, 100%. It could end a friendship but it could also save a life. Someone else in this community was watching what his family was doing to this 13-year-old girl. They weren't saying anything because it was none of their business. And you have this little girl out in this camper afraid that the scratching on her doors was some sort of monster when it was just raccoons. But we know who the real monsters are in this story. It's her family. And sometimes it's us too. We become the monsters when we don't intervene. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.